Hello, everyone. I'm Elena Armijo, and I'm the founder of the C-Suite Collective. This is a company I created for executive leadership coaching and wellness that supports C-Suite executives, entrepreneurs, and founders. We support modern companies committed to fostering diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, holistic organizational growth, and generational impact for years to come. Now, more than ever, businesses are running faster and with fewer resources. Burnout, overwhelm, disconnection, and disillusionment are the new norm for teams struggling with an old paradigm. At the C-Suite Collective, we believe deeply that providing massive support for your teams through executive coaching and holistic practices will create an inclusive culture, higher levels of performance, sustainable change, and the organizational impact you desire. You can find us at the c-suitecollective.com. What does giving yourself permission look like in today's world? We'll explore that in our coaching tip for the week. Today, we have Michelle Mercer, a business coach and consultant, a Dare to Lead trained professional, and the host of the top-ranked podcast, The Resilient Entrepreneur. She is so sought after as a speaker, and she has 20-plus years of corporate and professional experience. Michelle's worked with a wide range of different businesses, from nationally acclaimed nonprofits to enterprise-level corporations like PayPal. She's a gem, so much light, so much wisdom, and so much grace. We hope you enjoy the episode today. And remember, something powerful resides within you. I'm here to support you in seeing it and creating it. So what does giving yourself permission look like in today's world? Amidst everything that's going on, the last two years of the pandemic, the war in Ukraine, our own personal struggles from day-to-day life in business, health, relationships, the thing I'd like you to consider is what would change if you gave yourself permission to simply get what you need in the moment? Sometimes that looks like a walk outside. Sometimes that looks like canceling a meeting. Sometimes that looks like going to the store and buying yourself flowers. That's what I needed the other day. But the opportunity is to give yourself permission where you normally haven't given yourself permission before. Stop and say, what do I need? And am I willing to allow myself to go get it? Michelle, thanks so much for being with us today. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, It's such an honor. Yeah, well, thank you. I've been looking forward to this conversation all week. It's a good way. Good way to start my day. (laughs) Yeah, same. I want to share a little bit about how we met um, and then just just hear a little bit about your your perspective of it. Um, I know my team called you and reached out to your amazing podcast, which we we will link for everybody to find and go listen to you. And I was a guest on your show. And I remember, you know, I I think I've done like 37 guest spots at this point in the last six months. And I remember thinking how incredibly open and warm and authentic and genuine and real you were. 
And so um, I just knew I had to have you on ours. So well, thank you. Welcome. I feel like I'm doing my job then yeah. because that'd be pretty crappy if I was like, let's be the resilient entrepreneurs and be open. And then I'm like, eh, not so much. Like, it's good. Right. <laughs> to say no, so mission accomplished. Yay, I'm on brand. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's, yeah. in all honesty, like I just... I think I learned a long time ago that it's exhausting being like multiple people. Like, here's my podcast persona. Here's the the offline persona. Like, I I'm tired, and I don't I don't know. Maybe that's laziness. Yeah, I don't no know. Way. But authenticity, we'll call it. No, because um, I just want to be the same person on both sides of the mic. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Well, and that's my experience of you for for sure. So I'm excited to have you here, and I want uh, to know. How did you become a coach? Yeah. What's your story? Yeah. How'd you get here? I mean, I feel like I've always I've always operated in the personal development space. Like I think I was, you know, I was not your average like teenager because I was reading like Louise Hay at like age 17. Like I was just always really curious. I had inspirational quotes everywhere, you know, just that person when I was a teenager. And I think it really helped me get through a lot of adversity that I experienced early on. I'm in a really a lot of tough times. So I think I was kind of always destined to be a coach. <laughs> I think there's a couple of my friends that will mm-hmm. say that. But, you know, I started my my college journey and I came out, and we've talked about this too, as a theater and music major. So, you know, I wanted to sing on Broadway. I wanted to kind of do all that stuff. And I did some really amazing things with that. Um, but then part of me is also extremely business-minded, so I actually went and got my master's in what's called arts administration or, you know, master's in running nonprofits in the arts world. So I could understand, it's almost like an MBA, but for that world. So I understood the financials, the arts, the business of it and stuff, which was so fascinating to me because I got to marry both sides of my brain almost and, you know, put my passions together. And then, you know, I'm also a type of person who gets bored. So I jump to a new thing because um, I always want to be learning. So I jumped into the corporate space for about a decade and I ended up running, you know, tech teams for PayPal. So I ran the operational side of things for the PayPal Europe email marketing team for quite a while. And I did product development and agency work. And, you know, I learned a ton from there, especially around operations and process and technology, which, you know, marrying that with my leadership and my business acumen was, is just such a perfect marriage of skills. And then, you know, my business unit got bought and, you know, sold off. So, and at the time I had just had my second son and my first one was ex- medically complex and had a lot of lot of challenges there. So the first one I remember, I was running the PayPal EU team and there was a Saturday morning where he kind of climbed down from the, from the dining room table after eating like scrambled eggs. And it's one of those moments that are kind of seared into my brain. And he walked over to me and he said, mama up. And I was like, okay, it's a typical little kid thing. If you don't know that, that's what they do. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but when I picked him up, it's like he had kind of a, like a, um, it was in the front of his head that he, he needed the support because he seized in my arms. So, and I, and I always say like that started like one of kind of our resilience marathon as a family. So he was aspirating thin liquids into his lungs. He was, you know, had, um, issues GI wise where his food wasn't moving through his body correctly. He had, you know, the seizure stuff, so, so much stuff. And then all the while I'm running, 
you know, really high pressure teams with visibility to the eBay board. Um, and then yeah. my second one was born. And when I got laid off, you know, I had the choice. I had the choice if I wanted to kind of turn around and step back into that 24 seven high pressure role. But I think I didn't, I didn't really know who I was at that point. Like, I mean, again, I came from like a theater background, like I'm a mm-hmm. creative person who kind of loves to <laughs> lean into personal development and stuff like yeah. <laughs> and suddenly I was like, you know, running tech teams. And I remember my husband being like, yeah, I never really thought that this would be a thing. And I was like, well, that would have been good to know 10 years ago, mm-hmm. honey. Um, but, you know, <laughs> so I decided kind of in that moment that to kind of find myself again, as maybe cheesy as that may sound to some, but I really didn't recognize myself. And unbeknownst to me, you know, when I did get laid off, we had just gotten my second one medically stabled, my second son. So he came out like, you thought the first one was rough, you know, you haven't seen anything yet. So (laughs) he came out and was like, you know, heart issues and um, swallowing, breathing issues, compromised immune system, just nonstop challenges. So then I was faced with, you know, two of them that had competing priorities, competing doctors. And we still do to this day. Um, You know, six years later, we're still doing that dance. But I was able to turn around and say, okay, well, if I'm not going to jump into corporate again, and I couldn't have, to be honest, in that first year of my son's life, I would have been on disability easily or FMLA with all the appointments, but I decided to build my business instead. So that kind of brought me to coaching because I had such an immense amount of knowledge, especially around, you know, with the corporate stuff, personal development, you know, entrepreneurship, business. Like I just had a lot of things in my collective toolbox that it was, it was kind of a natural step at that point, but I wasn't sure what kind of coach or what I wanted to do. So I just went on kind of a passion journey where I did everything from hosting documentaries on body image to I ran a gratitude project locally in our town where people, you know, we had hundreds of submissions of gratitude. You know, I just, I wanted to figure out who Michelle was. I mean, Michelle now with two children, Michelle without a corporate career, you know, who I was in this version. So, you know, and fast forward six years, I'm still doing similar work and I'm working more one-on-one with people in coaching through, you know, adversity, through lots of different things. All of us coaches have had challenging times, I would say, in the last couple of years walking beside people through a pandemic. Um, And now the podcast, Mm -hmm. I do a lot of speaking. So it's, it's kind of the best of all my worlds at this point. What a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing so openly and vulnerably about not only the struggles and the resilience that I hear, but also finding, I really hear that you didn't give up on your dream too. Like, or, or maybe it wasn't your dream, but it was sort of like this, uh, you knew you were really good at it and you followed that intuition, which is uh, a huge thing as well. So thanks for sharing. I think I've always been a lot more focused on the person that I want to be um, and the quality of my life that I want to live. Um, and that's, and I, and I recognize that there's a level of privilege with that too, right? Like that, that comes with that, but I don't know. I think I've never been really focused on here's my career versus here's my entirety of my life. And maybe that is the coach in me, right? Like let's plan like what the whole big picture or your ideal state of life looks like. So that's kind of always been, you know, my, my focus on things. 
Yeah. The experience. I love that. That I talk about, about that a lot with my clients is what is the experience you want to create as opposed to all the doing, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. What emotions do you want to evoke as you walk through this messy thing called life, right? Like mm-hmm. how do you want to feel as you, as you step through it all? Cause it is messy, right? So let's mm-hmm. control some of it the way that we can. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, thank you for mentioning the the past two years, the pandemic. I mean, we're I don't, I don't know where we're at in it, if we're coming out of it or not, it, who knows. And then also now we've got, you know, um, the war in Ukraine that has started this past week. So on the topic of resilience, what are you doing to take care of yourself as a, as a healer in the world and somebody who helps others? What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I would be lying if I said it's not hard <laughs> right now. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, there are days when I'm like, it feels like Groundhog Day. I want to climb out of my skin because I'm so just like, oh, another day of the same exact things again and, you know, uncertainty and stuff like that. But, you know, what helps me is to, number one, focus on kind of what I can control. And, you know, I'm actively also working on respecting my own emotions and not going down a rabbit hole. So I, I deal with mental illness, I deal with anxiety and a lot of other stuff. So for me, it's always this constant like, well, is this depression? Is this COVID? Is this adversity? I don't really know. Um, so it's really speaking in facts. I tell clients that a lot too. Like, is it true? Speak in facts. Like really look at the look at it from an outsider's perspective, not just from the emotion so that you can stay present in it and not kind of spiral down the anxiety spiral. Um, So I think with that, and I think especially within the last week or so with the Ukraine stuff, I've been doing my best to put some boundaries around things like social media, what I'm consuming, because, you know, I can easily, I just actually did a video of it yesterday, like I'm doom scrolling at like midnight, right? (laughs) On Twitter, reading all the things and like, oh my God, the world is blowing up. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the time that I actually kind of want to be like, Michelle, put put some boundaries on, you know, 10 minutes tops at a time, three times a day, you know, so any, anywhere I can put kind of concrete bumpers on is always a good thing for me in, in times of adversity too. That's beautiful. Uh, two solid coaching tips there, boundaries and <laughs> respecting your feelings flowing through yeah, them. Right? Yeah. Well, and I noticed that um, one of the conversations I was having with my own coach this week, which I shared a little bit of earlier is this this way that we sort of um, bypass our humanity when we are not in a place where we respect that each day is different and you might need something each day that's different, you know? So giving yourself permission and allowing that, hey, maybe today I need to cancel all my meetings. <laughs> or, yeah, you know, and I've done that. We've all done mm-hmm. that. We all mm-hmm. should do that on some levels, right? <laughs> Yeah. Instead of the whole like, no, I can't let people down or, you know, the people pleasing stuff that, you know, it's a limiting belief too, that comes up that, you know, that's something that I've, that I've been struggling with as well this week. So thanks for sharing what you're working with because it gives me ideas of where to look for myself. And I think I was just listening to earlier, I was listening to Dare to Lead podcast, right? And I was listening Mm -hmm. to her interview with Amy Cuddy, um, around kind of the different phases that people go through with like, you know, and the fact that we're kind of tapped out. So that's why you're seeing so many people trying to reinvent and and leaping for things and like giving up their jobs and all this reinvention. And we all kind of need to respect the fact that we are still in it. We're in it. And it's been a long time and our nervous systems aren't 
wired to do adversity for nonstop and uncertainty like this. So Mm -hmm. we have to really respect that. I mean, I'm saying this because I need to hear it as well, not just (laughs) all of us, your listeners saying it for myself too. Um, But it's, it's, yeah, it's equal opportunity respect around here. Yeah. Well, and I love what you said about the adversity and the respect while you're going through it. But for me, everything has been about reinvention the last two years, right? Like not just for me personally, but for my clients, for the world, we're seeing it in real time right now. And what I'm wondering is what's the, you know, I think there was a point midway through the pandemic, like in, at the end of 2020, 2020 really, that um, people were starting to talk about grief. And I don't even know if we're like, I keep wondering, I keep asking myself, is there a point where this will officially be over, whatever that actually means? Right. And the right. grief will really rise to the surface for people. Because I think we've been dealing with it as it yeah. comes up, but there hasn't really been an end per se to anything, which is maybe the point <laughs> of yeah. life. Yeah. But, um, you know, what do you, how, how do you anticipate that, that looking for you or your clients? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really good question. I mean, I think collectively as a society, we're going to grieve for years and years to come, regardless of when the quote unquote like end point is. I think it's it's such it runs so deep. All of this stuff runs so deep and multi generational. You know, there's there's going to be little things. You know, like my my son who's now six, just they just took their masks off in schools. We put them on when he was how old? Like you know, so things like facial like recognition type stuff or recognizing emotions on people's faces. Like there's so much stuff that's delayed and so many points that kind of are triggers for grief that I don't know, I don't know if it's ever going to kind of go away, I guess. You hear that a lot, right? When when someone loses someone really close to them, that it doesn't go away. It may dampen a little bit and maybe the the good parts outweigh the grief stricken moments. But I don't, I don't know. I can't really say like, oh, I'm going to get over this. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great point. Thing, right? It's a great point because with my girlfriends, especially we've been talking about like, what if this is, this is just, we're forever changed by this. And this is something yes. we're talking about yes. when we're, you know, 80 years yeah. old with our grandchildren. Yeah. That I vote for that. Yeah. And for me, it, it just allows some more space and tenderness and grace, like instead of always trying to get somewhere, get back to what was, which I think a lot of people are putting that down finally, but um, then it becomes a true conversation of, okay, if this is me now with grief, with pain, with um, all the things that we've experienced the past two years, then what? You yeah. Know? Yeah. That's a really, and that's a heavy question that people aren't necessarily going to want to tackle. Right. I think, I think a lot of us, t- sometimes we don't want to deal with the kind of non-optimal emotions, right? We don't, we don't want to deal with the ones that hurt, right. Or that are tender, so, you know, I think what what scares me is the level of numbing that could quite possibly come off of this too, right? For those of us who are kind of, you and I, who are in this emotional sphere, right? We have our numbing things too, right? We're all human on that level, but we live in it, right? So we're talking about this stuff all the time, but it worries me that kind of the non-coach person or whoever's yeah. not in our sphere, you know, it, that it's going to come back and haunt them 10, 20 years from now. Um, because it's unprocessed or it's not worked through or whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. And, f- and what are your ways that you're numbing right now just to normalize it? Because, you know, yeah. we're coaches and we're oh God, transformed yeah. people, but also <laughs> we're humans and yeah. we don't, 
We don't get of a, course. you know, of course, you know, I, I like to work. So. Yep. Yep. That's that my is number one, one, that is one of my go-tos, right? <laughs> um, and when it's not that, you know, like I'm a food, I'm a food go-to person, like, or, you know, it's really weird lately. I've been finding myself like wanting to numb out my brain. So like, I've never really been a huge binger when it comes to TV, but lately I'm sitting down after the kids go to bed and I'm watching like, I'm binging Netflix and stuff. And it's not, that's not a thing that's normally me, but I think it's my brain just needs to shut off. Um, but I need to be very careful with that to our earlier points about like using, using it appropriately. Like I've said, in, I've said in the past when I've given some talks about there's an appropriate level of escapism, right? And there's, there's things that you can use. Like I'm a big fan of like, I go to the movies if I'm overwhelmed. I go and I go to a movie by myself and I need to shut my brain off and, you know, be inspired by something that's not in my direct, um, in my house, really, because I don't leave my house, right? Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think it's slowing down long enough, though, to know, okay, why am I doing this thing? Is it healthy for me to be doing this thing? And if the answer is even kind of an inkling of like, not so much, then maybe I want to reevaluate and ask some deeper questions. But if you don't slow down long enough, or at least come out of it long enough to ask the questions, it's hard to break that cycle. Because I mean, Mm -hmm. it's easier to reach for the food or to reach for Netflix Mm -hmm. than it is to actually be like, "Mm, I'm sad, let's deal with that. Because that doesn't sound sexy at all, right? (laughs) Right. And not fun and not, and, and you hit on it. It's not sexy work. So if it's not sexy, you know, what is the enticement to do it? And that's a conversation, you know, that, that we have all the time with our clients in terms of, well, what, what is it actually costing you? Yes. Yes. It's very like, you know, I'm, I'm just listening to, um, oh my goodness, what is his name? The road atomic habits, right? And he talks a lot about, you know, exactly what you just said. Like, it's what's the cost? What is not about, it's the B first. It's that B part, not, you know, B do have, like where we go to like the do and have, we skip the B part. Like what kind of person do you want to be six months from now? And are you supporting that person now in your actions? You know, for me, Netflixing for four hours at night is probably not supporting the person that I want to be six months from now or a year from now. And I, and I think there is also a fine line when, when running an exercise like that and not putting an added amount of pressure on yourself too. There has to be just that right amount of pressure where you're inspired and pressured to do it, but not like this crushing, like, oh my God, I suck. I'm not, I'm sabotaging my six months from now self, you know, whatever that may look like. (laughs) Um, Cause I'm, can, I am guilty of both, but you know, there has to be kind of this this almost existential question of like, who do I want to be in this world? Mm -hmm. Well, and that's a a great segue to leaders because, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of the things we talk about on this podcast are leadership in the world and who are people that are disrupting the world and what are they doing in their spheres? And what do you think that that, that says about leadership right now? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, you and I are big Brene fans, right? Yeah, I think if you are yeah. not leading with empathy right now, and it's funny because it's, you know, it's it's March and I know Q1 is is review time, right, for a lot of companies. And I'm sure that there is a lot of, there are a lot of companies and a lot of leaders who are, who are hurting, who are trying to approach with empathy, but losing empathy for themselves. You know, so it's, it takes a special kind of person to be able to lead through adversity 
and not just manage through adversity. I think those are two very different things, as you and I both know. Like you can manage people, but that's very different than leading friends and being able to inspire, especially in times of adversity, and making sure that as a leader, you are, you know, <laughs> you are putting your oxygen mask on first. You are whatever that kind of cliche that goes with that, so that you can show up with empathy because that's a it's a strong line to hold as a leader. And it's a hard one to hold sometimes too. So I think replenishing yourself is is a must right now. Mm-hmm. Well, and what what do you say to people that that approach you and they're like, I don't even know what empathy is. I don't know how to access it. I don't know where to start with it. Because that's, I, I've been meeting a lot of leaders recently that are like, I don't know what vulnerability is and I don't know what empathy is and I'm not interested, <laughs> you know? Of course they're not. They're like, vulnerability is weakness, right? I mean, to that I say, well, do you know what humanity is? You know, like, I I don't know. There's been something that's clicked inside of me and maybe it is because like I have little ones, but I look, I like look at grown adults and I say, okay, what, what would their parents think of them? What would, you know, where does the humanity lie in that person's decision-making? You know, what, what are those parts that transcend, you know, race or politics or religion, like joy, you know, those, those kind of common human things. And I would say, you know, what are, what do you think is that, you know, I pose kind of that question back too, because if they can admit that there's a shared level of humanity, then I feel like we probably have a better jumping point to talk more about vulnerability. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I, it opens the door so beautifully to exploring what that vulnerability means specifically to the leader which is another thing, right? Because then we're not trying on empathy or we're not trying to be a leader. We're exploring who that individual is as a human leader. Yeah, because you and I both know you, if you try it on and it's and you don't try it on appropriately, right? Or if it's not <laughs> authentic to you, it's everyone can see right through that, right? Like I, I can yeah. just cringe at the fact of leaders are like, I need to be empathetic. Hello, how are your children today? Like, <laughs> yes. are you feeling sad? I am feeling sad. sad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> one teardrop finger one down your teardrop. cheek. Like, you know, like, I mean, bravo, you're giving it the, you're giving it the college try, but you know, I'm, I'm a huge believer. And I know you are too. If you need to know yourself first, you cannot lead with empathy. You cannot lead you. I mean, good leaders know themselves and a level of strong self-awareness, at least from my point of view is a must for, for being able to be an empathetic and a, and a daring leader. Right. Yeah, which is exactly why hiring a coach or a mentor or even working with a therapist directly, a consultant, all of these are beautiful modalities. Pick one and go go to town. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. Build your team. I always say like it's like having the Avengers behind you, right? Like I've got my therapist, my coach, my acupuncturist, my whoever needs mm-hmm. to be, whoever needs to be on the team. I found especially when juggling all the stuff with the kids early on that if I didn't have that team supporting me, I would have lost myself a long time ago. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And what do you say to people who come to you? Because look, it's a very normal conversation to say, number one, I can't afford a team. Or number two, um, I don't even know where to start. What does having a team mean? Because for me, culturally growing up, having a team was very, very privileged. Like, 
you know, I think my parents still wonder what I do sometimes. <laughs> They're like, what does she do in the world? <laughs> like, like, you, you just know? pass out inspirational quotes all day? Yes. Yeah. That's and my dad's like, how did you make a business out of this? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. literally. Very like, carefully. No. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so, no, so but- I totally get it. Like, that, this is a very confronting thing for people when we're just like, yeah, just build a team, you know, because, and not that you're, you're saying that, but I, but no, I encounter no, no, I that a lot in the world right with people mm-hmm. and so what what's the entry point for you there with people yeah i mean i think that th- there was a time when i couldn't afford to build anything right <laughs> like i couldn't afford um to have these team members there but i think in that case i would look and say like kind of who are my my key players and and i'm big fan of quality over quantity like who's in my circle who can I be vulnerable to that's not, that I don't have to pay, right? <laughs> I think I'm going to look for that mm-hmm, anyway. Mm-hmm. But who are the people who are doing things that I want to be doing? Or or who are the people who have seen me at my lowest and my highest, who actually know me? So when they're the ones who ask me, how are you? I know they actually want to know, right? So if I can't afford to bring on the specialists, I want to make sure that the people who actually, you know, give a shit about Michelle, the person are in my realm. I think that's kind of if you don't if you don't have the money to bring bring it on that way, bring it on with the two people that you think are actually know you and see you for who you are. Exactly. Yeah, and look for resources too. I always tell people, you know, um if I, I my commitment is if you talk to me about coaching and I'm not the one for you or I'm not in your price point, let's go find you somebody who is. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's okay to ask for help from that realm too. Cause I think people think like, Oh, I can't afford it. So I'm just going to walk away versus no, actually ask, well, where could I find these services? Do you have any recommendations or, you know, podcasts, books, Mm -hmm. you know, any, all the information that's kind of at your fingertips. I mean, before when I was a teenager and in my twenties, I, I didn't have a coach. Like there was, there was none of that, but I read, you know, authors like Ayanla Van Zandt, like I was reading in early twenties and like, you know, all of those kind of key personal development, self-help books that I think, um, what was the book 20 something female or, um, quarter life crisis or whatever that book mm, was. And I mm-hmm. remember reading it being like, Oh, I'm not the only one. Cause I think anytime that you can evoke that or see yourself and somebody else going through adversity, then, you know, you're not crazy. You're not alone. You know, it's a human part of being human and therefore you can keep going a little bit stronger, but that could be a book. That could be a, to your point, any, a lot of resources out there. Or YouTube. I can't tell you the amount of things I've learned on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Right. I mean, just Google it people like, yeah, it's out there for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, what's your hope for the world moving forward here? I mean, you're a brilliant, beautiful leader yourself. So what's your... Your dream. Oh, goodness. My dream. I have so many. I just would like to see the personal brought more to the forefront um, for good, bad, whatever that may be. I just, I think, you know, the stuff that we're seeing in Ukraine around really humanizing it all, I think the minute we stop humanizing the pain, um, we lose it, right? We give ourselves an excuse to kind of detach from the humanity of it all and forget that we're all connected. So I think I'd like to see more of that, more of empathy, more of, you know, all of those kinds of emotions and more acceptance of it. And the fact that we can actually admit this stuff is hard, but it doesn't mean we can't do it. It just means maybe we need support, 
right? So I'd like to see us as a collective world do something like that. I don't really even know what that looks like um, or how it gets accomplished. But, you know, I just, for every time I give a, like I do a talk or a speaking engagement, I inevitably have somebody come up that says like, oh, I thought it was just me. And like, that's at least my personal mission to, to kind of have somebody listening on the receiving end, even if it's one person that says, oh, I thought it was just me who was having those thoughts, or I thought it was me who experienced that level of sadness. Like, I think we need more conversations so people know it's not just them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's beautiful. And I guess the last question I'll ask you, I, I mean, you kind of answered it, but if you had a megaphone to, to say to the future... What's the one headline that you would like scream into the future to disrupt oh it? Just one, just one. <laughs> you know, admit it sucks. No. <laughs> exactly. Get it together. <laughs> Get your shit together. No. Um, I think it's just like, you know, remember everyone's human for God's sakes and have compassion. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not saying like leave like let horrible things go unchecked like that's not what a type of compassion I'm saying but it's like little things like the person in the grocery store who's complete ass to you maybe that's not about you mm-hmm. maybe we should scream that from a megaphone that it, it's probably not about you it's not like about maybe you maybe that's something that needs to go out the <laughs> megaphone you know it's not your shit to own that's that's what I'm going to do the headline mm, of it's not right, your headline. shit to own right it's not your shit to own <laughs> that's officially it it's not or your shit your, to own own your own shit unless it is <laughs> Unless it is. Ah, there but you go. Self-awareness. Yeah. <laughs> These are all good. Oh my gosh. Michelle, thank you so much for being with us. You're a delight. You're such a joy in the world. A thank leader. You. So resilient. A passionate mama and heart. So thank you for loving the world so much that you continue to do what you do. And thank you for having me. This is wonderful. 